fighting for freedom every day. You as the individual, you have the power. You don't have to join a union. You go in as an entry-level position. You get the experience that you need. And then as you work up, you get better at your job, which means they pay you more. If they don't pay you more, then you go to another company to show what you've learned and what your value is to where you can get more. If they really don't like that, then you can go and start your own damn business because we have a free market, laissez-faire, capitalist society allegedly, to where you can actually go off and do your own thing. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. It's another day in paradise ready to rock and roll for a pre-Friday celebration, the greatest day of the entire week. Why? Because you see the light at the end of the tunnel. You're excited. I'm excited. You scream ice cream. We all scream for ice cream. Welcome welcome into the program. Thanks for hanging out today for another broadcast here on The Voice of Reason, broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas, on our flagship radio station, all over the country, radio, TV, live streaming, and podcasting, however you watch or listen to the show. We always love you to death. We appreciate you very much. This is The Voice of Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. Welcome aboard your Millennial General, reporting for duty like we do every single day. Boy, do we have a show lined up for you today. Bottom of the hour, Drew Thomas Allen, host of the Drew Thomas Allen Show podcast. We'll have him on the broadca- uh, on the program. It's been a while since we've chatted with him. Get his thoughts on the latest current events here. In just a minute, we're going to play an interview as well with U.S. Senator James Lankford out of the state of Oklahoma, just south of where I'm from here, as uh, we enjoy having him on the program. He's got a lot of great insight out of Washington, D.C., and we'll get his thoughts on some latest current events because there's a lot to get to. Obviously, with the ongoing budgetary discussions, kind of focal point for him. So uh, I want to ask him about the economy, about the federal budget, about the potential government shutdown, and what do we do to kind of get things back on track? Can we actually get a proper budget in place again for the federal government? Because we have not seen one since the Obama administration. So we talked with him about that, about inflation rates, about interest rate hikes, about trying to price people out of the markets and so on and so forth. It's an extended interview, which means we cannot play the entire thing on the show because of how long it went. We He was very gracious with his time. He gave us about 20 minutes, and we can only air maybe nine minutes on the show here. So we're going to upload like we usually do with our extended podcast and extend it as a special feature podcast with the entire interview that you can download with your Voice of Reason, the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier podcast uh, after the program. But without further ado, we sat down earlier today with U.S. Senator James Lankford out of the state of Oklahoma to talk about what the latest is going out of Washington, D.C., the latest in the federal budget discussions and the potential government shutdown by tomorrow if they do not reach an agreement. And this is what he had to say. James, how are you, my friend? I'm doing very well, actually. Thank you. Good Good. to be on with you again. Yeah, always good to chat with you. There's a lot of stuff going on, and I got to be honest, it's a bit frustrating. I don't know how many times that uh, or how many years we need to go where we see the same old routine here. You guys are getting ready for budgetary discussions again. The government's supposedly going to shut down by this weekend if we don't resolve some issues, but another continuing resolution. Senator, when are we going to get back to actually passing a federal budget instead of just extending a continuing resolution until December and then doing the same thing with another omnibus bill by December to say, well, let's just see what's in it and throw everything at the wall and then uh, just pass a massive bill. Yep, that has been the challenge we've had for a long time. There are several structural changes that I've actually laid out. One is we right now the fiscal year is from October the 1st until September the 30th. Uh, but every year we seem to do all the real budget work in October, November, December. Uh, that's just absurd. Let's just go ahead and move it to the reality of it and do annual budgeting to actually do it at the end of the year. I also have a bill that ends government shutdowns that says we won't get to this moment 
it forces the government open, but it also forces us to be able to stay in D.C. until all the appropriations work is done. Uh, this entire year, Chuck Schumer has not brought up one single appropriation bill, even to committee. No, this has been nothing done on the budget the entire year. He squandered the year doing all kinds of things except what is the constitutional responsibility of actually going through the budget in an open, transparent way. And uh, so it is the frustration that we have if not one of the 12 appropriation bills has even been started and we're in the last days of the fiscal year. Uh, so my frustration is also the, the American people's frustration to say there is a process to be able to run. If the process doesn't work, fix the process, but do the work. Yeah, it's frustrating. I mean, I remember back in the day we used to have the normal process of 12 appropriations bills discussing what should be in the budget, what needs more funding, what needs less funding, how we can actually balance the budget. That hasn't happened since, I believe, what, the Obama administration. And now this just seems to be the new norm. States are not allowed to do that. They have to have a balanced budget by the end of the day. And I think the federal government needs to do the same thing. 100 percent agree. Uh, We've actually brought a balanced budget amendment to the Constitution that failed. Uh, actually, when it came up for a vote. Uh, but that's the way that it has to be done is that you've got to actually force the federal government to be able to do the same thing that states do, uh, that they say they've got to get to a balanced budget. They can't just go into incredible debt every year. They've got to be able to do what's right with the uh, American people's money. And we're going to continue to be able to press until we get that. But it's, it's, get, it's getting enough people elected that share that same perspective. Uh, if, you have, uh, if you have too few people that have that perspective, uh, then you end up with the f- that we have right now. Yeah, it's pretty frustrating. Talk about what's in this bill potentially with this continuing resolution. We've heard the stories about you know some more money being sent to Ukraine for some relief there, both humanitarian and for military. We also have obviously some of the social programs the Biden administration's trying to ram through with student loan forgiveness and other things. But talk about what potentially could be included in this continuing resolution. Yeah, so this this continuing resolution just it literally. Uh, changes the numbers of last year's budget and puts it onto this year. It has a few what they call anomalies, a few changes that are there. One of them you already mentioned was $12 billion that's going to Ukraine. Uh, there's also some additional funding uh, to be able to deal with some of the refugees uh, that are coming in from other areas, uh, trying to deal with some of the Afghans uh, and uh, their movement into the country. It also uh, tries to be able to uh, change a couple of things in national defense and a couple of those programs there. Uh, so it's bits and pieces, but otherwise it's normally the same thing as it was last year on it. So again, the frustration is it's not strategic. It's not trying to be able to resolve long-term issues in our budgets. Uh, It's trying to just keep it open and say, well, we'll keep it open then we'll figure out what we're gonna do with it later. Uh, We've had uh, at this point nine months uh, to be able to get through all this and they've not even started it. (laughs) It's so ridiculous. At the same time, we have the Biden administration talking about how they've cut the deficit so much because during the COVID pandemic, they spent trillions of dollars for this COVID-19 relief stimulus, and then they cut back on that. And now they're saying, well, hey, because we didn't spend money on that, now we have the deficit going down and we're doing so much better on the budget. Senator, is that true or are we still spending massive amounts of money above what we're seeing with tax receipts coming in? It's still massive amounts of money above, and it, it's the ultimate irony. And when uh, President Biden first mentioned that that he's cut the deficit, now there's two 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 names here. Debt is the total amount of money that America owes uh, to other people and to ourselves. Yeah. Uh, that's the total debt that we have. Then deficit is how much overspending there is in a single year. So what he's doing is he's saying, well, 2021, I did this massive inflation-creating bill of trillions of dollars. 
And I wanted to do that the next year, but Republicans blocked me from doing that. Remember, they wanted to do a $5 trillion bill this year, uh, and they got blocked by Republicans for doing that. And so now he's saying, okay, since I got blocked, now I'll take credit to say I actually cut the deficit, uh, that uh, I didn't spend as much as I wanted to on it and try to be able to have it both ways on it. He, he can't step up and say, I tried to spend $5 trillion and couldn't get it, so now I'm going to actually be celebrated as a person that didn't spend as much. Uh, the, the issue is we're still way overspending our budget, and there's not been a real sit-down, walk-through, what are we going to do to be able to stabilize our budget? What are we going to do to be able to uh, actually balance things out? And how are we going to take care of the future of our country? That's what needs to happen. That's what leadership looks like. Yeah, unbelievable. We're talking with U.S. Senator James Langford from the state of Oklahoma. Let's talk about the economy for a second. Interest uh, or the inflation continues to rise and skyrocket. We're still sitting right around 9% nationally right now, which is unbelievable. The Federal Reserve says they want to raise interest rates again for the third or fourth time over the last six months. I don't know about you, but I remember the definition of insanity is trying to do the same thing over and over and get and expecting a different result. Is that what we're seeing here? Because we're still battling near $4 gallons of gas in some parts of the country. We're still dealing with 100, 150% increases in groceries across the nation right now. And their grand idea is just to raise interest rates again to hopefully balance out the supply chains and try and lower inflation. I don't know if this is going to work, and it's getting a bit frustrating, I think, for a lot of workers out there. Well, what they're trying to do is they're trying to raise interest rates so high that people won't borrow money uh, to be able to buy a house, to be able to buy a car, to be able to do anything on their credit cards. They're trying to be able to force people to start buying less. Uh, When they do that, then it pushes the economy into a recession. Then people start losing their jobs because people aren't buying as much products. And so the companies that are manufacturing don't need as much uh, work to be able to get things produced. And that has its own vicious cycle. This all started, the whole inflation piece started in March of last year when Biden pushed through a massive multi-trillion dollar giveaway into the federal, into the American public uh, that employers said to me, now it's hard to be able to hire anyone because we're literally paying people more to stay home than we are to be able to come to work. All this free money went out, which by the way, Biden has not stopped doing. He's now doing free giveaways for student loans and uh, trying to be able to still pour money into the economy, which makes the inflation worse. It's a very basic thing. If you put a bunch of money into the economy and there's not enough ability to be able to meet the supply, it causes inflation. Everyone said that in advance. Uh, The Democrats and Biden said, no, we're going to do it anyway. And uh, they did. Straight party line vote. And it spiked inflation to where we are. Uh, You mentioned 9%. Actually, inflation from when Biden was... uh, uh, sworn into office in January of last year until now is 13.2%. Wow. Uh, that means if you bought $100 worth of groceries in January of last year, that same $100 would only buy $87 worth of groceries now. And we all feel it. Uh, we walk into the grocery store and see $4 for a, a dozen eggs. We all feel what's going on at this point, and we're trying to figure out what's happening on it. This is a Biden-created inflation that's not only affected us, but it's now contagioned around the world and the entire world is facing. We've got to get energy prices down. Uh, we have to stabilize the economy. Uh, the way that you do that is produce more energy, and he's trying to produce less. And he's trying to use the Federal Reserve to drive up interest rates rather than lowering the price of energy. That's what would bring down inflation. 
Yeah, you mentioned in uh, the energy market there, we have the hurricane that's hitting uh, Florida right now, and our thoughts and prayers go out to everybody down there. But the response from the Biden administration was not, oh, hey, let's figure out humanitarian efforts down there. It was, oh, hey, oil companies, don't raise your prices just because you can't drill for oil down in the Florida area there. That was the response, not let's open up drilling other places to compensate for it. It's just let's just not raise prices right now, even though you can't drill for oil down in Florida. That's the response from this administration right now. Actually, their their responses don't raise prices uh, right before the election. Uh, that's really <laughs> what their their real response is on it. Uh, the the simple fact is we have a lot of energy in this country, and as the Biden administration continues to make it harder to be able to get that energy, or just blocking production entirely for different areas of the country, uh, it reduces supply, which is in, increases the price of this. Uh, it's not it's not hard. Again, this is basic economics that this administration knows, but they're so obsessed uh, with America having to shift right now uh, to wind, to solar, uh, to electric vehicles, that they are willing to be able to drive the price up on everything else to say, now we're going to make it so expensive to do natural gas and anything with oil or anything with coal will make it so expensive. You'll have to go to the other uh, types of energy developments. Listen, I'm, I'm a true all the above. Oklahoma has lots of wind power, lots of solar, hydroelectric, geothermal, Let's use it all, uh, but let's use it all clean and efficiently, but don't punish Americans in this process and continue to be able to drive up the prices to be able to accomplish your policy goals. Uh, allow the American people to actually have lower prices. All right, that was U.S. Senator James Langford. We sat down with him earlier this morning. That was about only about a quarter to a half of the interview that we did with him. So if you want to hear the rest of that, which I highly recommend because there was some really great content in there, we'll upload that as a special extra special feature podcast after we upload the show after the broadcast as well, which you can find on any of your favorite podcasting sites at The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. We'll continue this conversation when we come back right around the corner for a pre-Friday celebration. Stay here. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Bring some reason into your day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Darn right it is. Welcome back into the program. 24 minutes past the hour. Radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting, however you watch, listen to the show. Welcome aboard. Thanks for hanging out with us today as always. Thanks again to James Langford, U.S. Senator out of the great state of Oklahoma, coming on the show. We'll get him back on again soon. A lot of great information out of D.C. And again, if you want to listen to the extended episode or that extended interview we did with him, uh, we could only air about a half of it here on the show. Highly recommend it. We touch on some other things outside of the economy as well. And uh, we'll put that up as the extended uh, version of our interview with him on our podcast, The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier on any of your favorite podcasting sites. We are coming up until tomorrow, and as far as I'm aware right now, we have not made a deal for the continuing resolution. They're still ramming it through. Now we know it's going to happen in the uh, House of Representatives because it's run by Nancy Pelosi. As far as I'm aware, we're probably going to have a few Republican, rhino Republicans, one or two of those that run it through and approve it in the Senate side as well because, well, by golly, we can't shut down the government. That would just destroy the nation. We can't shut down the We can't stop the government's functions because the people need the government, right? I mean... <laughs> that's really what it's about i mean and these are by the way the rhinos that are going to be going out very soon i'm here to tell you they're 
dwindling. They're falling one by one. They are crumbling beneath their own weight because they have sided too many times with progressives, with the elite, with the establishment in Washington, D.C., and they're not going to be in Washington, D.C. much longer. That, I can promise you, just because of the momentum that we see by conservatives, by those that have not been involved in politics prior to, the MAGA movement, the Trump movement, whatever you want to call it, they're tired of these individuals, and we've seen them falling one by one by one. There's a new headline from Breitbart today about Mitt Romney refusing to endorse Mike Lee. Now, the two senators in the state of Utah don't care for each other. You have a solid conservative like Mike Lee, and then you have a ridiculously absurd senator like Mitt Romney, and you have kind of two sides of the aisle, the perfect representation of what the Republican Party looks like right now. And the, not just the, the what it looks like, but the division within the party. Right? We have Mitt Romney as the hack rhino that tried to run for president and got some of the lowest Republican turnout in American, in, in at least Republican history, to turn out to vote for Mitt Romney against Barack Obama back in, what was that, 2012, I believe? That was 2012. That was the 2012 election. Yeah. Then you got Senator Mike Lee, who's been rock solid. He's got a, what, 98% conservative rating from the conservativereview.com on how well he does. He's a solid fighter, does not back down from a fight, and... He's a great guy. I mean, they're both great guys. I mean, Romney, he's a nice person as an individual. Okay, sure. Doesn't matter. His policies stink, and he's in it for the power, or at least from what I've seen from Mike Lee, and I agree with him for the majority of the part, uh, that he stands up and fights for what's right. Those two are the iconic difference and division within the Republican Party. And now Mitt Romney is under scrutiny by many Republicans in the state of Utah for not endorsing Mike Lee for re-election. Why? That's because Mitt Romney doesn't like Mike Lee within the party because he's too conservative. Mitt Romney's the guy that says, let's go ahead and just compromise and let's say that we're going to change something. Let's do a little bit of a tweaking and then say we need to pass a continuing resolution because we're not going to stand firm and say we need to pass a federal budget or else. He's the guy that says, let's work with Democrats to try and hold hands and sing kumbaya when Democrats are on the straight path to communism on the other side. And Mitt Romney's like, well, as long as we get along and we play nice and everything will be cool. And I'm here to tell you, by the way, that I was one of a support of Mitt Romney back in 2008 because I definitely would have taken him over John McCain any day of the week. But here we are today where he continues to despise Donald Trump. He continues to abuse the Republican Party and then think that he actually stands for it. But I'm here to tell you again with my eternal optimism that he's not going to be there for long. He's the guy that went to the state Republican convention in Utah and got booed on stage because people have had enough of his rhino-isms. Pretty sure that hasn't happened to Mike Lee. Telling you, it may look disastrous now. But the hard times create hard men, and the hard men are standing up right now and saying it's getting too hard, and we're going to make sure it doesn't get any worse. We're going to change things. That's what it's all about. Drew Thomas Allen, right around the corner here on The Voice of Reason. Stay here. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason Meets Radio, you're listening to The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into the program here. I don't know why my thing didn't update. What's going on here? I'll have to change that here in just a second. Welcome back in. 
Live radio. That's what it's all about. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting, however you watch, listen to the program. We always appreciate you very, very much trying to cram that 10 pounds of reason into that 10-pound bag, 5-pound bag. I guess if it was 10 pounds into 10 bags, that would fit appropriately. But we overflow a little bit on this show. That's what we do. Welcome back in. Trying to rebrand the millennial generation one radio listener at a time. By the way, I want to give some thoughts and prayers out to the hurricane affected individuals. I have a lot of friends out in the Florida area. I've been texting them, a lot of family out there as well, messaging them, making sure they're okay. Luckily, they are. They have not been affected. <laughs> the response from one of my buddies was, I've barbecued in winds heavier than this. So, I mean, I, I take that as he's doing just fine. Just throwing that out there. Let's shift gears a little bit, get into our latest in what's trending. What's trending today? Excited to have this guy back on the program. Been a little bit too long since we've had him on. You can check out his website at DrewThomasAllen.com. You can see his podcast, all the great stuff that he's doing, all his social media where he's been writing and blogging and videoing and vlog. You call that vlogging, I guess. But the man himself, Mr. Drew Allen. What's going on, Drew? How are you, brother? Hey, Andy. Good. Hey, since you've got connections out there in Florida, have you have you got any word on the pronouns, official pronouns yet of uh, Hurricane Ian? Do we know that yet? Mm, yeah, that's a good question. The official pronouns of Hurricane Ian. Well, I'm sure it wants to identify as not Ian because that would be sexist. That's right. That's because right, it is right. one of the I more dangerous still, ones. So I guess that being male, being a male name, that would be too masculine for a male name. So it needs to be um, the feminine version of Ian, whatever that would be. That's right. That's right. Maybe it's just he, she, you know, who knows? Split, split it down the middle. That's right. That's right. It'll just be a gender neutral one. I'm sure I'm sure at some point we're going to get to that point to where even storms we can't name properly because they need to be gender neutral. Because if it's a strong storm, then by golly, there's strong women as well. And we can't just name it as a male. Yeah. Well, you know, they should have called this thing Hurricane Biden or Hurricane uh, Kamala. You know, that would have been appropriate for the state of the nation. Mm, that is very true. That is very true. Uh, I got to play this for you. I know we like to have some fun and you cover a lot of the latest current events. This was I believe this was yesterday that came out from Joe Biden, where after going to the funeral, going to. Uh, a congresswoman's funeral where that had passed that he had been friends with, that he had known for years. Then he comes out and was talking about some type of policy and calling out who had worked on some of the policy and said this. I want to thank all of you here, for including bipartisan elected officials like Representative Governor, Senator Braun, Senator Booker, Representative Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? I didn't think she was, she was going to be here to help make this a reality. Um. She had passed away already, and he went to the funeral. Now, Corrine Jean-Pierre, the press secretary for the White House, look, I'm not one, and you know me, I'm not one that likes to harp on, you know, uh, just little gaffes. I get it. I'm in radio. I make gaffes myself. He makes a few more than normal because of whatever condition it may be. But nonetheless, he had literally just gone to a funeral of her and then asked if she's there and said, no, I don't think she's going to be able to make it today. Is this taking it to another level of the dementia-ridden uh, president that we have right now? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's unbelievable, Andy. I mean, can you imagine if any any human being, uh, you know, imagine, imagine you were, uh, you know, nominated and elected, voted on to, to join the Radio Hall of Fame, you know, and I'd actually, I don't want to go down that route, okay? I, I don't want to play with the, the death thing. But, you know, I was, I was going to say, you know, I had attended your funeral, Andy, you know, and then I go... And I, and I say, is Andy here? I want to give him this award. You know, I mean, I mean it's just it, 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 it demonstrates. I mean, the, the guy's not there mentally. I mean, he just reads 
uh, what's put before him. I mean, he's totally handled by these people, and he has, he does. I mean, th- this issue hasn't gotten got, gone away. It's only gotten worse, and and unfortunately, it's just been normalized. I mean, I mean, look, even Republicans just accept it because no action's been taken. I mean, look, they've owned the House and the Senate. You know, they 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 wouldn't succeed in impeachment. But this is a guy who is not fit for office. You cannot go to someone's funeral and then go up and speak and say, oh. Uh, where are you? Are you here? Are you here? Thank you for the. La- I mean, it's just—it's cringe-worthy. What's well, cringe-worthy? The problem is, though, is that we don't even just come out and say, "Oops, you know, he made a gaffe. He didn't mean to say that. This is what he meant to say." I mean, I used to play the clip all the time here on the show of what Donald Trump really meant to say, because I mean, obviously, Donald Trump was not the greatest of um, orators out there. So, of course, he was going to make gaffes. And then we said, "Okay, you know what? Yeah, he what he said was a little silly. This is what he was trying to say because of." all his grand words that he makes, why can't they come out and just admit that, you know what, he made a mistake, he didn't mean to say that, but instead, the media covers it up, Karine Jean-Pierre, the press secretary, covers it up, and then they actually go out of their way to defend it by saying this. So the president was, uh, as you all know, you guys were watching uh, today's event, a very important event on uh, food insecurity. The president was naming uh, the congressional champions on this issue and was acknowledging her incredible work. He had uh, had already uh, planned to welcome the congresswoman's family uh, to the White House on Friday. There will be a, a bill signing in her honor this coming Friday. Uh, so, of course, she was on his mind. She was of top of mind uh, for the president. He uh, looks very much looks forward to discussing her remarkable legacy of public service with them when he sees her family this coming Friday. I mean, dude, that's the, that takes it to another. And that's why usually I don't care. You make a gaffe. OK, whatever. Everybody makes a gaffe. I don't script out my radio program at all. I could make a gaffe at any time. But when you go out of your way to defend it, instead of just saying, you know, he made a mistake, he didn't mean to say that. That's why we criticize this so much, because they're delusional. Well, that's exactly right. And really, that's highlighting, I think, what's driving Americans just not just dissatisfaction, but outrage with with the politicians today, and and especially with the Democratic Party and this Biden administration. I mean, they're beyond reproach, right? I mean, these people literally view themselves um, as, I mean, not only above the law, above morality and everything else, but but they view themselves as, as some kind of deity. They will never apologize for anything. And they think that we're so stupid that they can get up there and tell us uh, you know, seek some kind of justification that, that flies in the face of what we just witnessed with our own uh, eyes and ears. And, and, and this is a, a, an administration uh, that, that does not accept responsibility for any of its failures, right? Gas prices, they blame on Putin. Um, of course, you know, when they come down six cents, you know, that's because Joe Biden's so great. Um, you know, uh, Russia, Ukraine, they take no responsibility for that. They took no responsibility for the botched withdrawal from Afghanistan. I mean, I mean, all of this, I mean, we are just being lied to, you know, ad nauseum by this administration. And they never, never say, hey, I was wrong. And and look, the American people, if they really wanted to win midterms, I mean, that would be a strategy that would win back actually a lot of Democrats and dissatisfied uh, independents as well. Because, look, we all we're all human. We can acknowledge that to your point, but they don't acknowledge it, do they? No, they don't. It's unfortunate. We're talking with Drew Thomas Allen, Drew Thomas Allen Show podcast. You can check out on social media. Also find all of his social media with all the great blogs and videos that he does. Speaking of not taking uh, responsibility for any of the actions as we get closer to election time. We just saw a few weeks ago the Biden speech to where he essentially said anybody on the MAGA side of the aisle is an extremist, is a potential domestic terrorist, 
is a radical. And since then, we've seen multiple occasions of Democrats that are going out of their way to become violent against Republicans because that essentially was the president of the United States, a call to action saying that if you're a Republican and support Donald Trump in any way, you are a threat to this quote unquote democracy and this society. And we've seen the case of the guy running over a teenager with his car and then walking away from it, not even being charged as the investigation continues. We see people getting beat up in the streets. This is the open ticket. This is the open permit for the Democrats to go after Republicans. I don't know how this is going to fare into election season, but I'm here to say that if this continues, I'm pretty sure there's going to be a lot of gun-toting conservatives that are not going to take this anymore. No, and this is the real danger. And I think they want to provoke some kind of violence in this country. I mean, they, they, they would love nothing more than uh, a civil war to break out. you know. And of course, that's the last thing we want uh, on our side. But, you know, they, they just they continue to gaslight the American people. I mean, I, look, we, we can't sit here and act like the, the Democrats aren't responsible for instigating these violent activities anymore. You know, we kind of gave them a pass in 2017 um, when a Bernie Sanders supporter uh, shot, uh, well, uh, several Republicans that were practicing for the annual congressional baseball game. Uh, and, and Steve Scalise uh, almost lost his life. And, you know, that guy was 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 quoting uh, on his Facebook and social media accounts rhetoric uh, as, as, as what drove him to commit that act from verbiage from, from the Democratic Party and Bernie Sanders himself. But look, we said, look, we're not, we're not blaming this on Bernie Sanders. You know, this guy pulled the trigger. But, but they have only doubled down on the type of rhetoric that was responsible for that. Um, so they, they don't care. Look, look, just in the last 10 days, Andy, we, we saw Mark uh, Ronsetti, He's a Republican in New Mexico. He had his home shot with a pellet gun. Uh, you know, not long ago, we had had the attempted stabbing of, of Lee Zeldin, the New York gubernatorial candidate. Kavanaugh, right? We saw the attempted murder on, on his entire family on the heels of Schumer's promise to make, you know, him and the other, uh, you know, constitutional um, judges on the court pay the price. And, and, and look, a man, a man assaulted two volunteers for Abbott's campaign just a, a day or two ago. And not to mention the young man who was killed in an SUV by a Democrat because they claimed he was some kind of Republican extremist. Um, they are getting people killed, and this violence has been normalized under the Democratic Party. But, you know, they, they ignore it completely. I mean, imagine if a MAGA, somebody with a MAGA hat ran over a Democrat or a black man or an LGBTQ man, anyone else. You know, it's open season on Republicans right now, and the Democrats don't care. In fact, they, they endorse this by, in their silence. Well, they do endorse it by their silence, and they endorse it openly as well. I mean, we heard the clip from Kamala Harris just a couple of days ago as well regarding those that are vandalizing uh, the pregnancy centers across the nation that are vandalizing them, throwing bricks through the windows, spray painting all over the place. And she commends them for fighting the fight for women's rights, quote-unquote, and, uh, and allows that. So she's the same one that bailed out Antifa members and Black Lives Matter members during the riots as well. And Chad or Chaz or whatever the hell they called it back then in Seattle, they love this stuff because when they do it, then they're justified in fighting for a cause. When we do anything or don't do anything because we don't do that kind of crap, we're still the domestic terrorists. We've got to take a hard break here. It's Drew Thomas Allen, Drew Allen Show podcast. Go and check it out. we got lots more coming up here right around the corner when we come back for a pre-Friday celebration here on The Voice Reason. Stay here. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier.
fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into the program. Last few minutes here on the show. It goes by way too fast. Trying to cram that 10 pounds reason into that 5-pound bag. The fastest hour of radio on, well, radio. Multiple stations all over the place. Always enjoy you having us here. Drew Allen, host of the Drew Allen Show podcast. Hanging out with us here for a few more minutes. Jared, we talked about some of the violence from the other side, which is not boding well. Look, they're losing the independent voters. They're losing the moderate voters. They're losing the minority voters, which is why we saw Myra Flores win down in Texas. We're seeing a lot of the the pendulum swinging, really. We're seeing Republicans up by at least the last I've seen, up near 10 points uh, nationally to where we have a really strong chance of winning back the House representatives. It's still neck and neck with the U.S. Senate right now. We're still going to run roughly three quarters of the governors across the nation. And it's, I think, because of this radical position that Democrats have taken both on the socialist agenda, like the AOC types, who, by the way, is ranked number six on the Democrat list to run for president next time, which is hilarious. Uh, But it's also with the violence as well because they don't like to get along with anybody that disagrees with them. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, that, that's exactly right. And, and you know, the, the issue is, you know, I, I just keep contemplating this. I mean, uh, many Democrats, look, this is not all of them, but but look, the, the violence pretty much uh, comes exclusively from the left, not the right. And you do not hear Democrats, the voters themselves, we'll see what happens in the midterms, of course, but, you know, there are going to be plenty of people who still vote for Democrats, but these people don't have a problem at all with what they're seeing happening in this country. I mean, uh, it's this dehumanization of of anybody who thinks differently politically than they do. And, I mean, obviously this is a recipe for disaster. I mean, it's, it's a threat to, to people's lives. We saw Kaylor Ellingson in North Dakota literally lose his life, an 18-year-old boy who was struck and killed by an SUV by somebody who said he was a Republican extremist. And, yeah. and and that wasn't even proven true. Uh, he may very well have been a Republican. You know, that was that was what what, what apparently they had a, a political uh, discussion about. And that was uh, a justified enough but, reason for him. He's he was a radical Republican, so therefore it was justified for me to run him over. Well, think about this. Um, that individual, I won't even repeat their name. Uh, that scumbag, the, the, the true deplorable. Uh, that person was released on bail. Yeah. So uh, this person can kill somebody who's 18 years old, who has a bright future ahead, and, uh, you know, get bail. But, you know, if you took a selfie in the Capitol on January 6th, uh, you know, they're trying to, to tack on charges. You can't get bail. You know, you got a house arrest, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I mean, this is what's insane. I mean, I mean, it's basically a, a message to everyone like, hey, you know, um, doing this, you know, uh, yeah, maybe it's against the law. Maybe you killed somebody. But, you know, uh yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a gray area, you know, because this person was a threat to democracy. So really, you know, America's better off without them being alive. I mean, that, that's really the, it, where this goes. Yeah, it really is. We got just a couple of minutes left here, but our, here's the question. Are Republicans doing enough to counter this right now? I just read the story a little while ago about Mitt Romney not endorsing Mike Lee, the division still between the conservatives and the establishment types. We have Kevin McCarthy releasing this commitment to America that's kind of a day late and a dollar short, as I mentioned. Why I don't know why we didn't have basic plans like this laid in motion the day Biden took office as opposed to a month and a half before the midterm elections a year and a half later. Um but we don't stand up. We don't counter this stuff. We respond to whenever Democrats kind of lead the charge and dominate the conversation. When are we going to take the reins and actually dominate the media, dominate the conversation, say this is what we're going to do? And, oh, by the way, this the way that they're acting is completely unacceptable. Are we doing that? And are Republicans doing enough right now? 
Well, look, the, the, the historic rhinos in the Republican Party, which, you know, this just demonstrates the war we've been involved in since the Reagan years. You know, you, 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 even, even rhinos back then couldn't wait for Reagan to be out of office so they could take back the party. This is what we deal with all the time. And, and this, is, this is what Americans are frustrated by. But look, it's going to require uh, your audience, uh, myself, yourself, all of us, uh, to get involved in politics and actually make sure that we we support and vote and uplift people who are who are not going to be rhinos because we, look the, the rhinos and the Democrats have have this relationship you know of codependency. I mean I mean essentially what happens is the Democrats come out and they they they, they make some insane policy and, and and the Republicans counter without action but it gives them something to campaign on and get back in power and then they do nothing. So this is a swamp. We got to we got to get rid of this. We got to get rid of it. We got to clean it up in this whole commitment to America. Okay, it sounds great. It's nothing new. We should have been campaigning on this a long time ago. And we need to grow a stronger pair to speak out louder. We need the Marjorie Taylor Greens. We need the Lauren Boberts out there. We need the Ted Cruz and the Mike Lees because those are the ones that aren't afraid to stand up and actually question the authority of Washington, D.C. Drew Thomas Allen. Drew, it's always good to talk to you, my friend. We got to do it again soon. You too, brother. Take care. Hey, always a pleasure. That does it for us today. Podcast up here in just a little bit. Special episode of the podcast as well, going up with U.S. Senator James Langford since we didn't get to air that full interview on the show today. Until then, we're back at it tomorrow for a Friday to wrap up your week. Be your own voice of reason. It's time for you to speak up, speak out, speak loud, speak proud, speak the truth, and always speak some reason. This is The Voice of Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.